0: Let me pray for us, and we'll get into God's Word this morning. Father in heaven, we do come before you as very fortunate people, fortunate that we have found favor with you, fortunate that you came from heaven to earth to be our Redeemer, and that you and you and you alone do we find our true rest. Father, as we go through your Word this morning, would you speak to our hearts? Would you show us that your perfect, sovereign, divine plan brought about providentially for both Ruth, Boaz, and Naomi, you also work out in our lives as well. Let us all be always be mindful of that in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Are any of you tired today? Did you get a good night's sleep last night? rest is essential back in uh, December of 2001 I was diagnosed with sleep apnea Uh, my wife had actually discovered it I would quit breathing at night I was a big snorer um, and would always struggle with being rested and it was through that diagnosis that I was then this is 21 years ago put on a CPAP machine I was very young when it happened but I was very thankful for what it provided for me. Um, if you have one, you know that it is like a gift of life. You get sleep. Rest is essential, it is needed for us. We are creatures that cannot function without rest. The very cycle of life, we have daylight and we have night. That was designed for us to have rest, to sleep. We cannot continue regardless of how much we might love what we're doing if we don't have rest. If we don't stop at some point and rest, sooner or later our strength will run out. It'll be depleted and we may collapse from lack of rest. Well, some of us try to make plans to make sure we stay well rested. We take our vacations. Some of us don't. But we take vacations, we find blocks where we can rest. We might go to bed at a good time, we might try to sleep longer throughout. Rest is also something that is spiritual as well. We see it in scripture. We see it illustrated in coming to the end of a journey. People find rest. The fulfillment of God's promises, we find rest. The celebration or completion of a work of God, there is rest. The people of Israel coming into the promised land were given rest. We also see rest in creation. God created the heavens and the earth in six days, and then on the seventh day, He rested. So it wasn't just simply a rest from labor for God but it was an example for us an opportunity to teach us to remember him and rest in him rest is extremely important it is the bookends of Ruth chapter 3 it is the theme in this in finding rest in a loving redeemer that's how the chapter begins begins with Naomi Speaking to Ruth, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? If you recall in chapter 1, Naomi had a kind of a tongue-in-cheek prayer for Ruth, asking that the Lord bless her, that she might have rest, go back to the home of your mother, and maybe have a husband. I think that came back to Naomi's mind when we start into chapter 3. There's a turning point in Ruth that happens in chapter 2. You you saw in chapter 1 Naomi's bitterness. She talks about being empty. And in the first part of chapter 2, Ruth asks for permission to go and glean in the field. Naomi is passive in it. Yeah, go ahead, go. You don't see much of Naomi anymore in chapter 2 until the end and here's the turning point Ruth goes to the field to glean she happens by chance the scriptures say but it's not chance it's God's providence its Boaz's field and she finds favor and then she comes back with the haul of grain and some of her leftover meal that captures Naomi's attention She sees God's hand at work. And there is a change in Naomi. And as we get to chapter 3, we see that there is an excitement in Naomi. She wants to capitalize on this movement of God that she sees. Part of her direction is going to be led by Scripture, but part of it is still she's leaving things up to herself. She, she sees this situation and, and she thinks all of a sudden, I can be a matchmaker. Hey, there's this guy. He's one of our redeemers. That's what she tells Ruth in chapter 2. He's one of our redeemers. Not the redeemer, not top of the list. But this is a guy that took some action toward you. He showed favor toward you. Let, let's move on with this. So we're going to look at how this rolls out. We're going to see Naomi's plan. We're going to see a proposal. We're going to see a promise and a pledge. So those are your three points. Plan, proposal, and promise with a pledge. That's how this is going to play out. But as I said, Naomi thinks about this half-hearted prayer that she made to Ruth. Maybe she wondered, yeah, I kind of remember praying that. Maybe God's answering that prayer in another way. That the Lord's going to bless Ruth. Bless her with a husband. But her plan is to go further than that as a batchmaker. She wants to bless her with marriage, with a home, with the prospect of children. Become a part of the, the people of God, a part of Israel. That's what she's looking for. Because if that happens with Ruth, she also receives a benefit. Now the initiative is not bad on her part. Not at all. In fact, we're going to see that some of the things that she does are also, also spurred by Scripture. This, this whole plan is clever. It, it's intelligent. It's really well thought out. But she is doing some of this on her own. She engages Ruth. She's been passive. Now she sees this opportunity. She wants to seize it. How many of us do that? See an opportunity. And we get really, really excited. I've got to do this. I've got to put this in action to make this come to fruition. I have an opportunity here that I don't normally have. But how are we supposed to respond? Should we not take the matter to the Lord in prayer? Shouldn't we say, Lord, what are you doing here? What does your word say that governs this situation? Because Scripture, Peter says in his second epistle, is everything for life and godliness. There is no aspect of your life that Scripture doesn't touch. But Naomi is still a little bit on both sides. She wants to seize this opportunity, but she also wants to guide her in a way and these scriptures flood into her mind now the the text doesn't say that but you can't help but know that by what she says to Ruth the context is what of what is laid out she recognizes Boaz to be a relative that word for relative is kinsman in whose young women you were the ones that you were working with now Ruth look here Here's the plan. I know from some inside information that all the men are going to be up on the mountain. That's where they would have the threshing floor. Because the idea of threshing was to take the grain with the chaff and everything else and throw it up in the air. You needed a little bit of breeze. You couldn't have trees and things in the way. So they would go up and make threshing floors at the top of hills. And they would do it at an opportune time. In Israel, they wanted a west wind that was just coming off the Mediterranean. Because it tended to be a consistent wind. A lighter wind. One that you could trust. So Naomi's saying, I've got this inside information. I know they're going to be up on this hill. I know they're going to be threshing up there. You want to go up there. Now what is causing her to think this way to go for this particular Redeemer? Well, there's something in Scripture, in Deuteronomy chapter 25, it's called the Leravit Law, Leverett Law. You know the passage. It talks about if a man has a wife and he dies, that the brother is supposed to come and fulfill the duty of a husband so that they will have a child. And the child was named after the first husband. It carries on the name, it carries on the inheritance, it keeps everything intact. So she knows that there is a purpose here and she knows the way to do it is to get Ruth married to someone who's a relative. Now, he's not a brother, Boaz really doesn't have to do this because there is no brother. But this is what she's thinking. There's also other things that you should know about a kinsman redeemer. It wasn't just the fact of marrying and taking care of a widow. They were the avenger of blood if someone was slain. They were to be the redeemer of property materially. To pay off debts if people were put into slavery or buy back property. They were to do these things. So some of this she's pulling from Scripture, some of it from her own plan. So on with the plan. I want you to go up to the threshing floor. But you got to do something beforehand. You need it to get ready to go. You, you need to wash. You need to anoint. And you need to put on your cloak. Anointing it means to use perfume. Some commentators want to say that Ruth is getting all dolled up. She wants to look attractive. She wants to get Boaz's attention. It may be a part of that, but it's not that. You see, Naomi and Ruth both lost their husbands. Naomi lost hers more than a decade ago. Ruth would have been within a year, maybe not much more than a year. She was still in mourning. She probably dressed different. She probably didn't have on makeup. She probably was grieving and mourning even when she was gleaning in the field. This was a sign for her to show Boaz, I'm ready to be wed. My mourning is over. Now what brings that about? Resting in a loving Redeemer. She had began her rest in chapter 1 when she faithfully made that statement, your people, my people, your God, my God. She was willing to follow Naomi and follow the God of Israel to believe in Him. So she's to wash and prepare, she's to show herself ready to be wed. But this plan had peril. It, it had danger. It, it, it wasn't going to be easy. She's going to a place where women weren't invited. Women didn't go to the threshing floor. At least not women with integrity. You, you might find women of the night going to the threshing floor. So when the men had, had a long day's work and had a few drinks and had a good meal that then they wanted some company. Let me ask the fathers in in this room, if you have a daughter, would you say, I want you to get all made up, put on some perfume, some nice clothes, and I want you to go out at midnight where there's a bunch of men. No other women. You're gonna go by yourself, you're not gonna have a chaperone. See how crazy this sounds? And, and yet, God's divine sovereignty is bringing this about through His providence. It is going to be a risk. It is going to be some danger. But the idea here of itself really is based upon a desperate need. You see, Naomi and Ruth came back After being in a place because of famine, they come back for bread. They were there at the beginning of the barley harvest. And I shared with you before, the barley harvest, the beginning of it was a sign of that's when Passover took place. But it pretty much comes to the end with the wheat harvest, which is Pentecost. They're somewhere between well after the beginning of the barley harvest and closer toward the wheat harvest. And there's been no Redeemer yet. They've gotten some things from Boaz to this point, but what's going to be the long-term solution? They've got a short-term solution, but not a long-term one. What's going to happen in the winter? Who's going to protect them? Who's going to feed them? Who's going to care for them? This is why Naomi is putting together this plan. Desperate times need desperate measures so she puts this plan into place she goes on with the plan and says now when you get there make sure you're not seen you need to keep your integrity you're gonna have to be patient and you're gonna have to have some perception patient in that you may get there and the people are still having Their meal, their celebration, their party. You're going to have to stay at a little bit of a distance. But you're going to have to make out Boaz and where he is. You're going to have to keep his eye on him, but they can't have their eyes on you. And so she's got to be patient. She's got to be perceptive. She can't go through the night and pull up the cloak of the wrong man. She has to know where she's going. There's only one Redeemer. There's not others. So this plan is put into place. Ruth shows her respect, her submission, and her obedience. She says, all that you say I will do. As I said in the beginning, when circumstances happen, you know, we want to seize opportunities, but really we should pray about these things. We should look to God's Word here. And when we do that, we should have the same attitude that Ruth has. Lord, all that you say, I will do. That's following His divine guidance, His plans of providence. It's bringing the Word of God into the equation. And so that's the plan that's put in place. A little bit crazy, maybe a little bit hasty, but God in His divine providence is governing the whole thing. By the way, do you know what God's providence is? Our catechism question for the Westminster Shorter Catechism says, God's providence is his most holy, wise, powerful preserving and governing of all his creatures and all their actions. He has everything under control. As Ruth is walking through the night to go to the threshing floor, he's overseeing that. He's making sure to protect her from others and from herself. He's with her all the way. We need to believe in providence. We need to know God's providence and trust in it. So the second phase, we see the plan. Maybe not the way we would plan it, but it's the plan that's been put in place. One other thing on making plans. God's plan overrides our plan. And even though we are planning things, which is a good thing, He will make sure that the end result comes out the way it's supposed to. He will override things. So now to the proposal. Ruth Naomi has not only told Ruth, this is the plan for you to go and meet up with Boaz. But when you meet up with him, you're going to do something unconventional. You're you're going to have a conversation that is going to be hard to have. A subject matter that you're really not supposed to be the one to bring up. You are going to propose marriage to him. Can you imagine? I mean, we live in the 21st century. That happens today. There's women that propose to men, but not in this culture, not in this time frame. So not only is there a danger and there's a peril for her to go where she's going, but she's going to have a conversation that she's probably having second thoughts with every step. I know sometimes when I get ready to preach and Gala can testify to this, I still get nervous. There's still a little jumping around in my stomach. You may catch me on an occasion Eyeing me before I come up here and I'll. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And then I remember Spurgeon and the steps that he would go up and he would say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I go through that routine. It's, it's, it's not meant to be um, crazy. It's just, it happens. So with every step she's going, she's about to have this encounter with Boaz and she's going up just as her mother has commanded her to do with every step and Boaz has eaten and he's had something to drink. His heart is merry. Now there was something tactical to Naomi's plan that works here. Now maybe if Ruth got there where they were still working, he would have been a little upset. "You're, You're interrupting my work. What are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. But now he's had a full day's work. He really wants to rest. He's relaxed. He's had a little bit to drink in a good way. He's in a good mood. He's in the right frame of mind for her to do this. And he goes and he sits at the end of a heap of grain and that's where he's going to lie down. It's one of the things that men at the threshing floor had to do. They had to guard what they had already threshed. The chaff they don't care about, the grain they do. Everything is on the line here for Ruth. What if he rejects me? What if he tells me to go away? Those thoughts are real. We have those thoughts. Like I said, you ever have those times you have to have an uncomfortable conversation with someone else? You don't want to do it. You may get nervous. You may fear rejection. But there's a part of Ruth where knowing Yahweh, knowing her God, it gives her a steadfastness. She has an integrity to her. And so she sees Boaz lay down. Then she comes softly. That means discreetly. Quietly. If you've ever had children and you went to check on them at night, if the door's shut, you turn the knob really slow. You open it up. You peek in. You may go walk up there. Make sure they're tucked in well. That's the kind of secrecy that she uses to come to Boaz. Quietly, not startle him. And she lays down at His feet. It's a place of submission. Remember Martha and Mary? When Jesus is with them, Martha is busy working in the kitchen. She's getting the meal ready. And where's Mary? At Jesus' feet. That's where Ruth goes. To the feet of Boaz. All of this we begin to see shades and types and shadows in Boaz of our true kindred. Redeemer, Jesus. He he has been the one that has been looking out for Naomi, showing her favor, giving her sustenance. And that's who Ruth comes to. We're to do the same. We should recognize all the blessings we have from God in Christ Jesus. Come to His feet. Look to Him in all aspects of our lives. Well, now it's midnight. It's dark. It's quiet. Everyone's sleeping, including Boaz. Ruth has pulled back the cloak. And in that moment, he is startled. But not so much that he cries out, like, What are you doing? He wakes and he sees a woman at his feet maybe the sleep has to be wiped out of his eyes his response is calm who are you which is an interesting question that keeps coming up in Ruth who are you that was asked of him to hit one of his reapers who is that woman It was asked in chapter 1, it's asked in chapter 2, it's asked again in chapter 3, and it will be in 4. But what the writer of Ruth is uncovering in this story and unfolding is a transformation of Ruth. Every time he's asking a question, who are you? How did you fare today? How are you doing? We see a maturity in her as she becomes closer and closer to the Redeemer. Another pattern that we need to follow this verse eight is so interesting because it says at midnight the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. Why well, say it's interesting in the Hebrew? Man there is Ish, woman there is Isha. This this is the way God talks about a man and a woman coming together, the man cleaving to the woman and becoming the wife. This is some preparatory language for the proposal that's about to be made for marriage. Isha and Isha. He says, who are you? And here comes the boldest answer that she could possibly proclaim. She says, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant. For you are a redeemer. Ruth uses a word interesting there for servant. When she met up with Boaz in chapter 2, we have in that text servant as well. But that servant is defined as a slave girl, just one of the slaves that does the work. Here, it's handmaid. It is a servant, but it is a marryable servant, a handmaid. She has changed from being unworthy, so to speak, to being worthy. She says, I'm Ruth, your husband. And then she asks him to spread his wings over her. Take the corner of the cloak and cover her. This is an act of redemption. It's interesting when it's used in Ezekiel. When it talks about in chapter 16, Israel is seen as a child and then grows into a young woman. And that woman is also washed and anointed and clothed and the Lord covers her with the edge of the cloak. Bringing Him in. It's how we come to Jesus, longing to be covered by His righteousness. To be taken in by Him because He is a Redeemer. Boaz's response back to the proposal isn't a yes and it's not a no. If we were watching a TV series and this was the episode this particular week and it ends with, with this particular thing, we'll go, well, wait, wait. <laughs> Close the story here. But Boaz says something here that's very interesting. He said, may the Lord, may, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first and that you have not gone after young men, whether rich or poor. So in this non-yes, non-no, he does commend her in particular. If you read in, in a little bit here, he calls her daughter. There is an age separation between the two. And he recognizes that the kindness that she first showed was toward Naomi. And her kindness toward her after she had lost her husband but here, the second is greater than the first. Because now she is not only being kind to Naomi once before, but a second time. Because if one, if she is redeemed, so is Naomi. There, there is an interesting part of the narrative here with Naomi, with Ruth, and with Boaz. If you go through and you read it, you see when you get to chapter 3, this is... Reminiscent of Philippians chapter 2. They are thinking more highly of others than themselves. Boaz is thinking of Ruth and Naomi. Ruth is thinking of Naomi. Naomi is thinking of Ruth and Boaz. They're not looking at themselves. A sign of those who are being raptured up into the Redeemer. And he tells Boaz, tells. Ruth, you haven't gone after young men, whether rich or poor. He's probably complimenting her on how she looks, her work ethic and everything else, thinking you are a Proverbs 31 woman. You'd be a prize for anyone to have. And yet you come to me because you know that I am a Redeemer. She could have married, lived her little happy ever after, But she's trying to do this the way that God has intended it to be. Then he calms her in verse 11. Do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. What she's asking for is a redeemer. And Boaz says, I will do that. Because you're a worthy woman. Anyone would be lucky to have you. And he says, yeah, it's true. I am a Redeemer. But I am not the Redeemer. There is one nearer than I. So there's the proposal. No yes, no no. Just a promise. Just a promise by Boaz to see it through. And and we get the gist of this promise in the remaining verses or the verses that go forward he says remain here tonight and in the morning if he will redeem you this other redeemer let him do it but if he won't redeem you as the Lord lives I will so there's a conditional yes but he doesn't leave the promise alone Boaz has absolutely no responsibility here for Boaz for Ruth none he could have just said go to this other man he's the one you need to be talking to he's the one you should propose to but he promises i will see it through you will have a redeemer but then he goes beyond that tells ruth to bring her garment her outer garment that she's wearing hold it out And he gives her six measures of grain, which has such significance to it. The whole thing, an outer robe of a younger woman, the cloak is being talked about, could carry things, but primarily it was for carrying a child. Six is a number that's used in Scripture of incompleteness. So this grain that he puts these six measures in is as if this is an overabundant, loving pledge to get to the seventh to complete what she is lacking. A husband, a child, a home, a land, a people, a God. All that represents what Jesus is to us he's what completes us in this process to take us from being empty to full to take us from being an alien to a family to bring us in and do what we cannot do for ourselves so this pledge goes forward and it is an abundant pledge it's like a dowry Ruth goes home Still under the night, early in the morning. And Naomi has, had it, how did it go? How did you fare? She can see it. Ruth tells everything that happened to Naomi. And instead of excitement, there's a calm to Naomi. Naomi. She again sees the providential hand of God working itself out. She believes the promise that Boaz has made, that it will come to fruition. And she asks Naomi, or Ruth, just wait. The man will not rest until he settles the matter. Boaz is restless to bring rest to Ruth. Remember what I asked? I talked about at the beginning, we all need rest. We need physical rest, but we need spiritual rest. Jesus is restless until we enter into rest through faith in Him. He is doing the works of favor toward people to draw them to Himself. Providing for them. Showing His abundant blessings toward them. This whole chapter 3, as I said, begins and ends with rest. It's a quest for rest. From Naomi saying, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Naomi wants a wellness for Ruth. She wants her to have acceptance, inclusion, provision. A life worth living. It's essential. She needs this not just physically but spiritually as well that's why she took initiative that's why she took action but there's something far more important than taking initiative making a plan taking action yes we should do those things but we need to understand when it's time to stop striving and begin waiting to seek rest knowing that we leave the outcome To someone else. To a loving Redeemer. Ruth and Naomi would not have the peace of rest unless there had been a promise made by Boaz. We won't have the peace and rest until we have the promise of salvation and deliverance in Christ Jesus. We need to see that this is a gift. That striving will not accomplish it. but having faith and trust in the Redeemer. We learn from this passage that God is always working His divine will and His providence. He's working for Naomi, He's working for Ruth, and He's working for and through Boaz. That the rest that they are seeking will be found. Isaiah 55 says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. We need two things to seek and to rest. That is there are two things to rest. Seek it and believe it. Jesus says in Matthew 28 or 11:28. Come unto me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Jesus is the true rest. He's the true wellness for us body and soul. He fills the empty and He fills the broken hearted. He provides for the needy. He brings acceptance to the sinner through forgiveness. He brings those and includes into His family those who are far off. He's our brother. He's a husband to the widow, a father to the orphan. All these promises of rest are in Christ Jesus. Are you resting in Him today? Are you trusting in Him? If you are, I pray that you will trust Him even more and more. Resting in Him upon the promises that He made. If you have not, I pray that you will believe in Him. Flee to Him. Let us pray. Father, we do thank You for Your Word. We thank You that we have rest in Christ Jesus. We thank You that You are a restless Redeemer. A restless, loving Redeemer until we find our rest in You. Encourage our hearts this morning to live out lives that reflect Yours. In Jesus' name, Amen.